Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So many of us in our lovely LGBTQ world, we denied who we are, we apologized, we pretended, we lied, we got we got picked on, all that stuff. Everybody's raising their hands like, okay, I get it. Okay, not all of you. Some of you got sweet little angels and went through your coming out process like it was just a piece of cake. Yeah, well, screw you. Lucky you. Okay, I don't mean screw you, but you know, good for you. I'm happy that that's what happened for you. And then there's others of us that would, this really didn't open up for ourselves until later. It wasn't like you were 30, 40, but there was times where you're like, okay, this finally makes sense. But most of us had to like dig in and really start to discover what was this? How am I sure this is who I am? And then as soon as you started to do the exploration, it made sense. And you said, yep, this is my truth and I'm never going to hide again. Well, today's guest came to that reality. He stepped into it. He decided, yep, this is who I am. I'm a gay guy and I'm going to just be who I am. But he also lives it in his own way to his own drum. And as a community that we live by our own drummers, I felt like this would be a really amazing conversation to have because sometimes we are the worst in our own communities, expecting everybody to step into our L, our G, our B, our T, our Q, our plus boxes, instead of making it really simple and being who we are. Today's guest is a writer, a filmmaker, a podcast host. We're going to talk about his podcast, which is amazing. It's about cutting to the chase and just straight up dumbing it down, making it real. I'm excited to have Parrish here and to have this conversation. And I don't know exactly where we're going to go, but I can tell you it's probably going to be a conversation unlike we've had in a long time here on the podcast. So Parrish, welcome, man. Good to have another podcaster to talk to today. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's it's very good to be here, Rick. So you had kind of an interesting awakening, right? kind of like, hey, this wasn't an easy road. And then when you did, as I said in the intro, when you finally dug in and started exploring, okay, is this true? This is who I am. And what does that look like for me? You just kind of said, I'm going to own it, but I'm not going to own it in the way even LGBTQ society says to own it. So let's kind of start with rough childhood around all this sort of stuff, I would assume. Yes. um, I was born in 74, um, not to date myself, but uh, so the seventies and eighties, it was not okay. You did not talk about it for the most part. Um, there, it, you know, it was dwindled down to like, maybe there's one or two people in a school that are homosexual or have those thoughts. Um, but I was a little more feminine than other kids. So from the beginning, not from the beginning, um, I would say, I, I suppose as I got closer to puberty, um, Because I was a mama's boy, I was raised by my mom. My dad was not around a lot. If he was around, it was negative. Um, So there was no sports in the household. I wasn't watching them. I wasn't learning them. I wasn't uh, being taught them. I was being raised by my mom, sort of baby by my mom. She used to watch soap operas. So I watched soap operas with her, that kind of thing. Um, 
My sister, when I was little, thought it was funny if her friends were there to put me in a nightgown, um, stuff like that, which at the time I was so young that I didn't care um, because I I thought it was they were laughing and thought it was fun. Nobody was they were, you know, none of them were being mean. It was just a little thing that happened that they thought was funny. Um, So I'm not going to say that had no hands in anything after that. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a psychologist, um, so I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, what, what that did to my development, but being a mama's boy and raised mostly by my mom and sister, um, and having negative thoughts surrounding, uh, other members of my family that were male, um, didn't, uh, probably didn't help the matter. Uh, but it didn't really bother me because I was just a, a kid with, uh, you know, eyes of wonder and I, I had fun and I thought everything was great. And, you know, my mom shielded me from the things that weren't. Um, but there, there, when I went to school, uh, and people were, people were judging me for my extra femininity or something like that. That's not something my mom could control. Um, I had a uncle who was not a good person and used to tell my mom because I was, uh, a a sissy, he would call me a sissy or say that I was going to grow up to be a faggot, uh, stuff like that. So this was when I was. In elementary school, before yep. I even knew what before I even knew what sex was, yep. So that was my introduction to it. Probably hearing those words and not knowing what they meant, just knowing that how I was acting was not okay. Mm-hmm. I did. We weren't raised. We were raised Catholic, uh, not very religious, but we did go to you know CCD and catechism right. classes, stuff like that. So it was in the vernacular that I, you know, that gay people were going to burn in hell and there's something wrong with you and it is an abomination. Um, so my mom never said that, but it's still in that in the 70s and 80s, parents did not want their kids to not be straight yep. and they did not want them to grow up that way. If someone suggested they weren't, they fought or cried or, you know, it was just not okay. In any way, shape, or form, it was not okay. Nope. I mean, I'm right there with you, man. I, everything you're saying, I'm like, I'm feeling it. I feel it every yeah. step of the way. Yeah. Well, the the problem for me is, well, I'll, I'll come back to that. But so anyway, so I went through high school and uh, I had a cousin who ended up going to the same high school as me. And it wasn't really an issue before that. I actually went to three high schools in New Jersey. The third one that I moved to. Uh, it wasn't much as much of an issue until she came around. She started telling people that I was gay, even though I hadn't touched a girl or a guy. Um, the right. first person I was in love with when I was a child was a female who I'm mm-hmm. still friends with to this day. I knew as a child, I found a tree, uh, females attractive that I found this female attractive. I was in love with her as much as you could be as a child. Uh, I had crushes on other females around me. So I know at that young in elementary school that it wasn't fake. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, making it up so that I could fit in more. I actually remember having an attraction to these females, but also remember thinking that when my best friend who was a girl was talking about how acute or attractive a boy was that I also agreed with that. Yep. And I knew that I wasn't allowed to. So, um, she ended up making my high school, the last couple of years of my high school, very traumatic. Uh, it was really bad. People were pointing at me in the halls and 
knocking my books down the stairs and slapping, slamming me into lockers saying, isn't he gay? Isn't that, isn't that, isn't he a fag? So it just, um, made me hate everything. It, it made me hate my high school, high school experience. I didn't care about graduating. I did, you know, um, but it just changed the trajectory, the, the trajectory of how my high school and how my elementary school would have been mm-hmm. had I not ha- had I not had to worry about yep. something that hadn't happened yet. These right. people were treating me different and treating you different and are treating lots of people different just by walking by them on the street because they may have pink on or something. Right. Therefore, judging and hating them and wanting them to die because you perceive that they probably go home and sleep with the same sex. Which is just, it's just mind-blowing to yep. me that that this happens. It's been happening for centuries and that we allow it. So yeah. um, in college is the first time that I ever hooked up with a guy. Um, we didn't have internet. So as you remember, we had just gotten right. it actually in 1992. We had just yep. gotten the internet. So you would, uh, you know, sign in and check your one email that you may have gotten from whoever on AOL. Right. Um, so it was a more personal, actual personals in the newspaper where you could meet somebody to date or hook up with. So, uh, the first time I did, uh, I enjoyed it, but I knew that it was so wrong that I cried all the way home and said, I'm never going to do that again. Yep. Um, I did obviously, but I knew that, well, wait a minute, nothing bad happened. It felt good. We both enjoyed it. So where's the negative, where's the negative part? The negative part is only in people's brains, yeah. not in what happened because there was nothing dirty or terrible or anything. It was simply exploring just like I would have with a female before yep. that. Um, so it still wasn't acceptable. And I, I spent, uh, you know, several years saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that thing. Are you, I heard you are, aren't you? No, right. Because yep, it's not because we have a problem saying yeah, I think that guy's attractive. It's because we know everyone else had a problem with it. Yep. So if you're being questioned as a child because you're feminine or whatever, why would you say yes? Why would why would you want to admit that I'm that bad thing that you don't like? I'm that bad mm-hmm. thing that's in the Bible that I'm going to burn in hell. I'm that bad thing that Jehovah's Witnesses will kick their children out of the house and shun them. Exactly. I'm that bad thing. I'm that bad thing that's going to get in the military in the eighties raped with a broomstick and beat to death and then glossed right over. Like it was a a casualty of war simply because I said, I am that thing. So why would anybody want to do that? Mm -hmm. So of course we spend our whole childhood saying no, 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 not, not to mention as men, we're no, you know, we're told that you are less of a man. You're made to think you're less of a man. You made well, even if you're feminine, that doesn't make you less of a man. There could be a feminine man that can take a carburetor out of a car and put it back in. Yep. There could be a masculine man that likes nail polish and will crochet a whole sweater. Right. You know, so so it's by the nature itself, it doesn't mean that your level of masculinity and femininity necessarily means that you're more of a man or less of a man. Um, not to mention that back then there was no blurring of the lines like there is now so if you had a penis and you mm-hmm. were born a man you were a man whether someone called you no matter what anybody called you right 
So for you to say, yes, I am that thing that you don't like, you're saying, and I, that means you think I'm less of a man. Yep. So I was never comfortable doing that because I was not going to succumb to the fact that I was this bad thing that everyone was putting me in this group. I wasn't going to burn in hell. There was nothing wrong with me, but I just didn't know how to, um, I didn't know how to, I just didn't know how to get that point across with so many people when all they wanted to do was no, they just wanted to know. It's because we as humans, we have to have a label. Yes. We have to have something. And I, I've said this many times when I've had the privilege to be on stage, but as a child, we don't know something, something until somebody tells us it's something. Yeah. That thing across the street that I'm staring at out my window at, that's really tall. And it's kind of got some weird things all over it. And it's kind of like moving around in the wind. Yes. Most people would go, well, it sounds like a tree. Well, until somebody tells you it's a tree, it's not a tree. Right. Right. So we, as humans, we have, and I get it. We have to know what things are. We got to put them, we got to put some kind of a label on it to make it something of substance. But in the sexuality, gender, identity, all that sort of stuff. Yes, that helps us understand, but why is it important? Why is it important? I happen to be a man who is attracted to men. There you go. Pretty damn simple, right? Yes, yes. And yet what it's become is, as you just so beautifully articulated, to say the word gay, as we know in certain states in our lovely little country these days, it's a weapon. It's a weapon. It is a means of saying we're less than. It is a means of that we're pedophiles and we're going to do horrible things as we see what's unfolding with many things, including our our lovely drag queen community, that they are the biggest, you know, it's like these things are being used against people. When, as you and I were talking about before we got on, if we just kept this really simple. Yes. That's all we have to do is be simple about who we are. And you and I know, and even in our own community, if we don't fit into a particular kind of box, I remember the first time and people who've listened uh, are like, Rick, are you going to really tell that story again? I'm not going to tell the whole story, everybody. But I remember the first time call, somebody called me a bear. I was like, what the fuck? Because in my mind, okay, so this is where my mixed up stuff came from. I was just really starting to understand the lingo of the queer community and all this sort of stuff. In my mind, somebody who was a bear was a big, fat, obese guy. There's so many other things now that that label precludes to, like their fury, you know, all this sort of stuff. I was like, I can't be that. That cannot be it. And I got really pissed off. And it was like, it was hurtful to me. Now I'm like, okay, well, that's a label I'm going to get. I kind of own it. I'm a big guy. I'm totally cool with that. Yes, I'm a furry guy. Okay. But again, we put these labels on each other, and then we wonder why we tear ourselves down so much in this community. Oh, no bears, no this, no that, no twinks, no the. It's like, oh, my God. Can we just say, hey, I'm just not attracted to you. That's pretty simple. Yeah. You know? But we don't do this. No. Or we do too much of the other, right? And I think this is why, well, you have a perspective on this. This is kind of what is perpetuating so much of what's going on, right? Yes. Um, I mean, it's interesting what you said. That's that's exactly what I've been saying for a long time. Um, so I moved to Los Angeles um, and I spent every year before that arguing and debating. 
I eventually became okay when I was around other people that were quote unquote bisexual and females that were hooking up with both in our early twenties. I became comfortable saying that I was bisexual because that was more acceptable, of course, than being straight up gay. Yep. Um, and then everyone could think in their heads, oh, well, it's just a phase. And eventually he'll go back to normal the way he's supposed to be. Um, it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles and got around more people that didn't care and or said there's nothing wrong with you and you shouldn't care that I decided to let everybody know on the East Coast um, that I was attracted to men. Anybody that didn't know, I wrote my mom a letter, a couple of page, right. you know, a three or four page letter. She knew all along that I was different and special, she would say, and stuff like that. And, um, um, you know, so I could tell how upset she was because she didn't want me to grow up that way and have to go through pain and, and go through anything abnormal than I would have if I was attracted to, uh, you know, a hundred percent attracted to females. So I, I decided to research sexuality. So I literally, you could finally in 2000, when I moved to LA, you could finally start Googling things and getting information and, um, you could believe it. Like now there's so much crap on the internet. You don't know whether it's the truth or any, anything anymore. Back then it was more encyclopedia, like where if you Google things, you could find out the facts and it wasn't drenched in so much, um, untruths that, that were biased one way or another, depending on what you believed. Right. So when I researched the history of sexuality, I, I wrote sort of an essay of sorts called the, um, it was when Brokeback Mountain came out. And the movie made so many, got so many accolades and made so much money. And finally, I was like, wow, well, here's a very well done picture where two straight actors are the leads. It was, a, as you know, it was a, a revelation in many ways. Yep. And then you could see, okay, look, one of them didn't consider himself into men. He fell in love with the person, the soul, not the shell. Yep. And people went and saw it. They didn't throw it out of the theaters and it was gone in a week. It made a lot of money and it won Oscars and, and rightfully so. So I wrote this uh, you know, essay of sorts called The Truth About Sexuality. Actually, then it was called Break, Broke Back Camel. Like, you know, broke the, 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 right. <laughs> broke the, back, bro, um, the straw. Um, and once I saw the actual history and how it started from the beginning of time, I suddenly, and then how it cor you know, correlated with religion, I suddenly stopped fully believing in, in organized religion and fully recognizing that I don't have a problem. I'm just attracted to the same sex. If you have a problem with uh, believing that or, or being okay with that, then you're the one with the problem. And if I hadn't done that research, I still would have thought maybe it's because of this. Maybe it's because of the nightgowns. Maybe it's because I was a mama's boy. Maybe it's because stuff happened to me when I was a child that, you know, I, I would have kept wondering why this bad thing happened to me had I not done the research. So before the 12th century, the words gay and homosexual and the need to classify sexuality as well as the persecution based on sexuality didn't exist. So from Africa to Italy to Spain and just about everywhere else with evidence as far back as like 25,640 BC, there were same-sex relationships. 
even in hieroglyphics on cave walls in the Cro-Magnon period and Indian tribe history, there was never a negative connotation to same-sex relationships. It was just human nature. Kings and upperclassmen from around the world had female lovers or wives, but they slept with men and boys because they wanted to. Right. And because, because it was their innate sexual desire, not because they were heathens. Mm-hmm. So I learned that it wasn't until Clement and the early scribes of Christianity, they were writing their rules for people to follow that sexuality became an issue. And <clears throat> the catalyst from what I read, you know, back then, um, which I, I assume if that's the history, it hasn't changed. Yep. They were, they were looking around in nature to figure out what people should and shouldn't do. And they would write those as the rules for Christianity, not yep. God, not some man in the sky with a pen, not Jesus Christ. These were peasants. These were men with a plan and men with a goal, which was to control yep. people. They were not speaking to God. And God said, write this down that you shouldn't be, you should, you know, that you can't be homosexual, that you could own slaves, that you shouldn't eat shrimp. This was right. not a, 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 you know, this was not a male deity writing this stuff that, and this is what people still believe to this day. It was men wanting to control people that were writing the laws of this new religion. So in nature, they were looking around to see what you should and shouldn't do. And hyenas at the time were believed to be soul robbers. They would um, dig up graves and eat the body and seal the soul before it was able to pass. And hyenas also um, practice same-sex relations. Hyenas still, you know, male hyenas still had sex with each other. So these, the men at the time said, well, that's disgusting and that shouldn't happen. So now nobody should do it. So that's kind of ridiculous because that's what men did. They slept with other men and there was no gay, there was no fag, there was no categories, there was no community. Men slept with men and there was no conversation about it in a negative connotation. So it didn't catch on until the 12th century and the Crusades. The Native Americans believed in this country when we got here. Uh, in two spirits, which were cross-dressing feminized men who slept with the same sex, and they were believed to be deities, uh, closer, you know, more in tune with the universe, and they were held up on a pedestal. So when the Crusades hit America and the land was taken over, the Native Americans decided to hide the two spirits and keep them safe. So that sort of was the origin of keeping it in the closet. Yeah. Don't let these these people that are invading our land, they're taking everything from us. Don't let them get the two spirits too. Let's keep it a secret and not tell them which ones are the two spirits. So ever since then, we've had millions of people hiding in the closet. Um, parents are shunning them. They're killing themselves or they're considering suicide four times more than every other child. They are taking their lives younger and younger and younger because they're not accepted. Um, all of the suicide and the murder, uh, in the armed forces before don't ask, don't tell, which was uh, for me was also not a good policy, but it was a step towards a better one. Um, uh, men and women, when they were assumed or known to be homosexual were beaten and raped and sodomized with broomsticks and bashed into the toilet and killed and, or, um, maimed beyond recognition. And they, it was never brought to justice because the higher ups and everyone that knew that it happened 
knew that it happened to a gay person. Therefore, they weren't interested in taking it to justice and, and having the people um, punished or removed. Yep. Usually they were removed. So just the amount of torture and misery and destruction that has caused over two men, a couple of men centuries ago writing about hyenas. Like yep. it's so it's so insane that mm -hmm. nobody knows that. So if you're listening to this and you are very religious and you're anti, which I assume you might not be listening to this, but if you are because you're open-minded and you want to hear other things, to know that you've hated on somebody that's the homosexual or that has these thoughts from something that was a story made up centuries ago yep. that has no bearing on reality, has no bearing on nature, mm -hmm. um, how could you continue doing that? You know. So once I read all that and learned all that, I just couldn't believe how much I had been through because of it. And I couldn't believe how my life was ruined yeah. because of my feelings. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing in my life that I would change, it's the fact that I am attracted to the same sex. Mm -hmm. If there's one regret I have, which is not my fault, is that I'm not like everybody else in that aspect. Not because I think I need to be, but because I am not the person that I should have been. You are not the person you should have been. Now, you're doing fantastic things and you're helping people and you go around the country and you have these talks and there's there's nothing wrong with any of that. That's wonderful. That's fantastic. Um, but you, you shouldn't have to. Right. So the different perspective that you mentioned before is, is exactly what you said is what I've been telling people. I am not gay. I am not LGBTQIA+. I am not in a community over there. I am not that bad thing. I am a human being who's attracted to the same sex. That is the end of the conversation. Yep. Yep. So I don't want to take anything away from anybody that has pride festivals and pride festivals are awesome. So I think we should keep those. It's a right. celebration. It's fun. But the, the um, organizations and the, you know, the therapists and the coming out of the closet and faggot and dyke mm -hmm. and lesbian and, you know, and and Jehovah's Witnesses kicking out their kids and actually lots of very religious people yep. shunning their children, not allowing to be part of the family. They're killing themselves. They're becoming homeless. They're becoming oh, drug I mean, addicts. States are states are taking this right away for people to be who they are. I mean, it's, yes. you know, and, you know, Paris, one of the things I mean, all of this is just it's so aligned with one of the things I have said. From early on when I started doing this work. The happiest day of my life will be the day I never need to do this work again, where there's yeah. no need for this. Yeah. There's no need. There doesn't have to be a coming out. I agree. It doesn't have to be the work to be done. Yeah. Because then we're just, oh, that's who you are. Okay. That's who Listen, you are. I didn't know you. So I really thought I was going to come on and say this to you and you were going to be like, excuse me. No. Like this is my life. What do you mean I shouldn't have? No, to it do is it? my life, but I don't want to have to do this. I mean, yeah. I, one of my favorite clients that I ever worked with came into the work with me. He happened to find my book right after, frankly, my dear, I'm gay came out, and he was reading it on a plane. He was reading it on Kindle, and he said, "I, I want to work with you." I'm like, "Okay, well, great. Why?" Well. 
I need, I just need to figure this out for who I am. I'm like, okay. I'm, you know, and there's always a little bit of caginess. Like, you know, they don't know me from Adam. Right. He goes, I was married. I'm not, I'm divorced. I'm not divorced because I'm gay, but I feel like right now where I am is I'm finding myself attracted to men and wanting to date men. And for the longest time, that's just how he showed up. I never once said, then you need to say, uh, you know, I'm gay. And I said, but what do you want to tell people if somebody says, well, what's going on? You know, what's going on in your world? He goes, well, first of all, I'll tell them what's going on in my world. But I'm just going to say, uh, you know, at this stage, I'm dating. I'm dating this guy. Oh, so you're gay. Well, no, I'm dating this guy. I said, there so how know. does that feel to you? He goes, I'm cool with it. I said, then that's that's all that matters. Yes. Because again, I'm never going to tell somebody they have to say who they are. What I want them to say is what makes them feel most comfortable. Yeah. And yes, I realize, and I don't think either Parrish and I are saying, don't use the labels because we're humans. We, we, we define how we move through life from labels, but do not hold somebody else to conforming to your way of having to do this. Yeah. Because honestly, and I love my community. I'm not going to say I don't. I love that we are, you know, I love that you brought up the whole two spirit thing. And and there's a book um, I had, um, what's his name? I can't even, I can see him now. Um, but um, I had a pastor on who wrote a book called Unclobbered. And it's really <laughs> good because he went, he did kind of what you did just in a very few minutes, but the whole book is written on um, how all of this came into being through history. Yeah. And if we really looked at this and the and and rethinking, so his book is called Unclobber, Rethinking Our Misuse of the Bible on Homosexuality. His name is Colby Martin. And I, as you were talking, I'm like, this is exactly the sort of stuff that Colby and I talked about. This was man created, man yes. created, right? Yes. And the more we allow each other to just show up, and again, I love my community, but do not do not put somebody else in a box because it fits in what we believe is in our community. Because why let them come out to be truthful who they are and then say, okay, but in order, this is how you do gay, or this is how you do lesbian, or this is how you do bi. Let them do it the way that works for them, plain and simple. Yes, uh, but I have to go a step above, and I don't expect you to, again, because you're more involved with, with all of this than I am, but there isn't a need for all of those labels. And the more right. that people, the more that people say, yes, there is, or I'm proud to be gay or all of those things. It's almost like you're just, if you're not, if your conversation isn't, no, nah, I prefer men. I'm more sexually attracted to men. And then over, you are just in some way adding either consciously or subconsciously to all the negativity surrounding those groups. So once someone once someone knows once someone says to me oh oh you're gay i first of all i never say yes i say i'm attracted to men because i want the conversation to be over there because that has nothing to do uh, we're at my job why are you asking me i'm not having sex in front of you i haven't had sex in a while by the way so it's really not affecting you at all or me it has nothing to do with job performance it has nothing to do with earnings it has nothing to do with how i carry myself at all so whether or not someone's feminine, again, that's a different conversation. But right. once you say, yes, I'm that thing, then they think they can make a gay joke every time around you're around. 
Then they think if there's a guy that walks in with a half shirt on that you must be attracted to him because he's also in your community. Then they think that all of these things that are attached to it. Oh, you must like Judy Garland. Oh, you must go to musicals. Oh, you must know how to change oil in a car because, you know, all of these things. Right. You're, you're, you're allowing that to happen. And when you say mm -hmm. that, yes, I'm gay or yes, we're in this category. You're allowing doctors not to work on you and let you die because they can say it's my religious belief not to touch this person. That is illegal. And it mm -hmm. is not illegal because religion trounces law. Mm -hmm. So I could die because they suspect that I, well, I don't know how. I don't know how that comes up. Maybe it's on the, the um, they donated blood before. By the way, also was illegal until recently to donate blood. Yep. As as a homosexual, if you marked that you were homosexual on the form, which is none of their business, they can say you cannot save people with your blood because there is a chance. The chance is much greater for heterosexual men than it is for gay men. This isn't 1984. Right. So so we also weren't allowed to donate blood for many, many, many years because of the potential Meanwhile, everyone has blood that is potential to have HIV in it if you have any kind of sex whatsoever right. or share hypodermic needles. So I just think it needs to stop. I think all of it needs to stop. There's no categories. It doesn't matter what you are. How do you identify male, female, or uh, you know, fluid or any of the other? You, a simple question if someone needs to know. Hopefully someone you know, because someone you doesn't know, it's none of their business what you do or yep. what you, how you, you know. And and for parents, honey, do you are you do you find yourself more attracted to men or to women? And, and when they answer, you say, That's good. Now I know. And then they and then you go from there. I just think the conversation needs to shrink to about two minutes, full acceptance of whatever the answer is, and then we move on to what's really important in the world. So this isn't to take away from your job or anybody that's in the community or anybody that has spent a lot of time trying to come out. They finally did come out and now they spend themselves being happy and gay, or spend their lives being happy and gay or dedicate their time and actual efforts to the gay man's health crisis and all of these things. That's all of that is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with the positive coming from that. But the more we keep putting ourselves in boxes, and like you said, before we get on, now, once you're in the box, now you're on the gay apps. Well, are you a bear? Are you a twink? Right. Are you a jock? Are you a chaser? Right. Are you a, so then right. you're choosing these things and saying, no, I'm a guy that likes other guys Oh, but you're not a jock. So I don't want you. Right. So we're not helping each other, not mm -hmm. to mention the rampant, uh, drug use and, and unsafe sex. Um, and, and that's a byproduct of the, the, how we were raised. I yep. believe the, the, extensive use of drugs and wanting to have unprotected sex with as many anonymous men sometimes that you can in one weekend is because you hate you you taught to hate yourself so much and you're living in a world where you're not no matter who accepts around you um so many people don't accept you or if you're mm -hmm. in another well country, it's a, it's, a it's it's a way to numb yourself from the truth of who you are yes that's yeah, what it is. I think a lot. Again, I don't know if you had dr drug problems, but I did. No, I did for a long time. Okay, no, I, I did. not But uh, but I I can I have worked with too many mm. that have you know, and that's not my area yeah. of expertise. But it it shows up in my world, you know. And yeah. I have I have guys that like they they continue to escape into you know, and again I I have no problem with somebody having sex. I don't have any problem with that. But when the only way for you to feel like you can escape 
or you can find, you know, peace in your mind, in your life is, and again, I'm not going to knock the bathhouses, but if that's where you spend all your time and then you wonder why you don't feel good about yourself, maybe take a look at what you're doing. And again, I'm not yeah. guys and gals. I'm not knocking. There's, I don't, I'm not that, I'm not that negative sex positive. I'm a very sex positive guy. But when we know that what we were raised as a society has put us already in this space of you're a piece of shit, you're a piece of shit, you're a piece of shit. Yes. I think the message is let's not keep exacerbating some of this stuff. I got called exactly. a breed. I got called a breeder once right after I came out because, oh my God, I had, I had biological children. That is not yeah. helping us as a community. There are going to be people in our community who want to be parents. Let them be parents. There are people in our community that are, are biological parents. That is what they are. If that doesn't work for you, then don't. It's kind of like, then don't be that. That's okay. Don't be with a person. Yeah. If that doesn't work for you, then that's the way it is. But I think this is the thing that- Or don't this, ask. Or don't ask. Like, you know, if it's yeah. that important to you, then you probably don't need to be even trying to be with people. Because that, that means yeah. there's just like this thing that you have an edge to that. So, which really, I love that you're so forthright and honest about this, because I think a lot of conversations aren't being had that should be had. And I know your podcast yeah. is a lot about living this truth too. So let's really quickly, before we wrap up here, talk about, you know, confessions and ramblings and, and what, why this came into being for you, because I think it's something that if we had more of these truth conversations, this whole planet could be a completely different space. I agree. Um, that that's really where it started. Uh, I had a lot of depression and anxiety from being from all of this um, when I was younger, um, and I still have it. So at some point, a couple of years ago, I I was in LA and I made a film. I tried to do some TV. That's really the the entertainment is where I wanted to be, but I ended up moving back to the East Coast and was trying to write a couple of things here and there, TV shows that never transpired. Um, but the podcast world opened up and somebody suggested I should try it. And I have stage fright and I hated the sound of my voice. Um, and from all the negativity of the past, negativity of the past and my low self-esteem, I just didn't think I could ever lead a show or have anything to do with it. So I went to a podcast class and um, it worked out well. Uh, we did 27 episodes in season one with a through line of equality. Um, I, my, my co one of my co-hosts was, uh, is Jewish, uh, female, um, who had breast cancer. Um, and, and that's important just because of the categories and the, yep. you know, what people go through, but she's a human being. Um, the younger kid was just a, a basically a, a white, um, jock uh, from central Jersey. Who's the, who's basically the man in this situation. Um, because he has that, he was raised in that area of sports and stuff like that, where he wasn't like me and wasn't like her. So we would have people on talking about, um, we had a rabbi on talking about persecution of Jews. We had a black cop on who thinks racism, um, that racism doesn't exist in, in a certain way which is a very strange conversation to have. So we, I just tried to write the shows with the through line being equality that we are all human beings. And it stemmed from how I was treated. Uh, I took 15 months off, uh, by the way, it's confessions and ramblings of a functioning psychotic yep. on Apple and Spotify and anywhere else, YouTube. Um, I took some time off. I was very depressed and about some other things that were going on in my life. 
And I really just didn't want to live in the cycle anymore, my own, of um, falling out of shape and health and um, falling in love with people that I shouldn't uh, or that I can't have. Mm-hmm. Just so many, so many different cycles that I keep finding myself in and I'm 48 years old. So I w- decided to dust off the podcast and start it back up. Um, and so now this season is about healing myself while healing others. Um, we had a suicide episode and we're going to have more because for the first time in my life, I'm, I know what it feels like to not want to be here because I'm so mm-hmm. tired of how I treat myself and how I let other people treat me. So this show is keeping me alive and keeping me sane. And um, the the idea is that hopefully with these conversations that you can't find in other places, that if I could change someone's life or save someone's life, that I could save my own. Mm. Um, and so th- this is the first conversation. We did do a sexuality episode in season one that I didn't air. Um, so this is the first one that will be aired about that. And we've talked about everything else pretty much. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, you know, the basic point of the show is we're all human. We're all the same. It doesn't matter if you're black or Jewish or gay or straight. I want to have a transsexual person on. I want to have a drag queen on. I want to have everybody on so that at the end you can listen to the story and say, Hey, I'm just like that. Yep. I may not dress like a woman or look like a woman because I'm a man, but I know what it's like to feel that way. So now I have a mm-hmm. little more respect for that person. So I think the the issue is um, that we aren't, like I said before, the people that we should have been had we not had to deal with all of this crap about our sexuality. So I would love to know the person that I would have been if I never had to worry about people talking about that behind my back or yep. abusing me for it. I want, you know, so if we have these conversations, hopefully in 10 years from now, if we can start this kind of conversation and more people start talking about it, children won't have to grow up like you and I did. Yeah. yeah. Children won't have to get abused or made fun of or feel like they're less of a man or less of a person. They will just talk about their sexuality in five minutes and then go on with, with building, a, a, building a, a spectacular life like they were meant to do. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. Love it. I love this conversation, man. Yeah, it's just. I'm sorry, real. I'm I'm rambling, but that's why. No, I'm no, you're, no, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it's just, but that's it. Is if we don't if we don't talk and let the let it flow, I mean, I get caught in that same thing. And as you were just talking, and we're you know we're to the point where I, I don't really want to open up a can of worms at this stage. But I mean, the day <laughs> that I the day that well the day that I finally came to my truth about really understanding what what transpired with me as a young boy with an older adult i finally talked about that in front of a college class i had never talked about it It wasn't out of shame i knew it happened i was well aware i had conversations with this person and once i came out of the closet that person came like with shame yes they they own some shame around that but it didn't make me gay it did not make me gay yeah, And the shocking piece that came out of my mouth that first time I talked about it, I said, you know, we all hear about the shame and it, you know, it could turn you gay and all this sort of stuff. In some cases, maybe that is true. I'm not, I'm not, a, again, I'm not a psychologist and a therapist. I'm not going to ever say that. But in my case, I remember the first time I thought this makes sense. This makes sense. What I feel at a seven year old mind It's like, oh, this all makes sense. 
he should have never done it, but it made sense. And so in that moment, to your point of what would have happened, if I would have been free to just be me in that space at that point, and this was in the 70s, um, 80, late 60s, early 70s, I was in a very interesting dynamic where I had an older gay uncle with a partner and he was accepted in the family, but he was shamed behind his back, literally in a room behind his own back. We would be at family functions and, oh, duh. and then, you know, his brothers and family would snicker behind his back about this. So there was my conflicted stuff. So yes, if I could roll back and go, well, what would be happen? What could happen if you I imagine? Just, yeah, it, it would be such a different space of loving myself and all this sort yes. of stuff. And even as a 59 year old guy, there are times that I let, I see and feel that shame of little Ricky, because that's yes. what I used to be called, can show up in certain situations. And I'm like, uh-huh, I, I know exactly why that's there. But guess what? I am I am going through this. I'm walking forward and through it. So yeah, that's an interesting thing. And I'm glad you brought this to, to the podcast. I love this perspective of like seeing it through another lens and keeping the dialogue simple. Yeah, it's more simply we talk about some of these things, then there's nothing to really talk about. Let's right. just be real, you know. No, so, no uh, closets, no suicide, yeah. no, you know. Let's let's just move on from that. Yeah, exactly. But um, I so I'm really excited. Again, it is confessions and ramblings of a functioning functioning psychotic. Psychotic, yeah. So <laughs> make sure you all check that out. This is going to air over on his podcast the, the couple of days after. So his listeners will get a feel for this as well. But um, I've really enjoyed this conversation, Paris. And I'm so glad that we literally made the connection because yes, um, me as I think well. we were both kind of like, you know, well, let's see where this goes. And again, I think we've shown people that there's lots of different views of how you can see yourself in your beauty and own your truth of who you are in the world. There is not one particular box. And actually, the more boxes we get rid of, the better off we would be. So um, yes, I really appreciate you, man. And um, thanks so much for being part of this conversation and for sharing yourself and going on to share this with your audience. I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely, Rick. It was my pleasure. And um, yeah, I'm excited for my listeners to hear it. And I hope that your your listeners have some good feedback for you. So you'll have to shoot the emails over to me. Yeah, excellent, Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping into living your life uncloseted.